earlier this week, Dame wasn't having the best of days. The reasons really aren't all that important, but let's just say I was happy that it was Krav night and I was going to get to go work out. So uh, at uh, Krav, working out, having fun, kind of hurting people. But 15 minutes into the workout, my phone rings and I know because I have my watch on and I think, well, based on who it is, I probably ought to go answer it. So I do. And Mrs. Advice says, you need to go pick up one of your kids from practice. They're having an even worse day than you. All right. My immediate reaction was not one of grace or understanding. I'm not proud of it, but it wasn't. But thankfully, I had a 15-minute drive to pick up my child, and my attitude began to soften, thinking if they're having an even worse day than I am, something must have gone horribly wrong. Get to practice, and as I'm pulling in the parking lot, I get another call from Mrs. Advice saying, they don't want to talk about it. Don't ask them any questions. Just get them home to me as quick as you can. Okay. All right. I, I understand my orders at this point. Child gets in the car, reiterates that they don't want to talk about it, and we head home in silence. About halfway home, I think I have to do something. I am a parent. I, I need to to try and make this better somehow. So my genius idea is ice cream. Ice cream makes everything better. So I look at my child and say, would you like to get some ice cream on the way home? Well, mom said, I don't care what mom said. We're going to make this decision on our own. Now, full disclosure, I had already checked with mom and mom gave us the thumbs up. So I, I, Tom Dunn didn't raise no fool. Uh, we stopped, get ice cream. And I can see a smile start to crack the sadness and pain on my child's face. And I'm feeling great. Like I, I did something really, really good as a parent. We continue to smile and enjoy the ice cream and joke and laugh a little bit on the way home and we pull in the garage. The, the door flies open and mom comes out, gives hugs to everyone. And we head in the house and that's when I hear it. And I turn around and in my sweet joy of uh, having a smile on my child's face, I didn't pull in the garage far enough. And the garage door had slid down the back of our SUV. Which brings us to our first guessing game, our first ever guessing game of a cold open. Pete <laughs> and Kristen, how oh, much yeah. was the estimate to <laughs> no. fix the damage on the back of our SUV? Oh, All right, I've, no. I've been there. I've done actually everything you've just said I've been a part of. Um, and I also immediately thought ice cream is where he's going because this is what a dad does. Yeah. I'm thinking 1400 Kristen? Kristen. On the newest vehicle yes. that your family? Yes. Oh, my. Yes. Um, uh, I'm gonna... I, I will say no body damage. It's all paint and a little bit of plastic scraping. Yeah, but, but it doesn't no, matter. No it doesn't matter because, like, the back panels probably come all the way to the front. And, like, I'm going to say three grand. $2,400. $2,400 is the right answer for Damien's genius. <laughs> that is not where I thought that story was going. Welcome to Friday, everybody. I, I, I kept thinking that like the punchline to this was they got home and, and at school they found out they were lactose intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's where I thought this was going. Uh, Dame, I'm sorry that happened. New classic dad story. Uh, yeah. Love it. 
Uh, Kristen, welcome back uh, to The Living. Yes, I'm so thankful to be here. Yeah. You are at what percent, we said? Better, uh, maybe like 75%. Okay, 75%. Uh, Kristen also celebrated her five-year anniversary at your money line uh, this past week. So Kristen, uh, you we have all worked together now for five years. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I was excited for this milestone. It felt like it took forever to get to like once I hit like three and a half, I seem it feels like it took a lot longer to get like the back half of that five years. Welcome to the world of VC. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Good, yeah. Uh, you, you get a trip, of course, for five yeah. years here. Your money. Did you say where you're going? Did you tell us? I did. Um, so when I talked a few weeks ago about how we got tickets to the rodeo, I am spending the whole weekend um, at PBR for um, it's going to be an indie in March. Great. Yeah. Rodeo is a good time. You know what? I should take my kids to that when it's here. You should. Uh, all right. Uh, let's do a show. Unfortunately, Jeremiah, we've got to make it a, a, a fast show. So here we go. Uh, Dame has sent some questions through. We are going to hit the right buttons, and we're going to start the show in three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com, and here's what will happen. The three-headed monster of personal financial guidance will slay you with dragon's breath. I know, sorry. Kristen Elanius, Damian Dunn, Peter Dunn, no relation, uh, join you here today. Hello, Dame. Good day. Kristen. Hello. Fantastic. All right. So the first question is, uh, it comes to us and it is sort of short and sweet. Does it ever come to a point in time? Does it ever make sense for a person to not max out their employer-sponsored retirement plan, which I went this year, Dame is what, 22, 22, 5? What's the, what, what is it? Somewhere in that neighborhood. No one knows uh, for sure. I, I do. It's 22, 22, 5. Man, your boy kind of knew. And instead <laughs> contribute to a non-qualified account. So let's think about this for a second. The question is, stop short of the IRS max and take that money and then put it into a non-retirement account that does not have tax advantages per se. I mean, I, I'm going to toss it to the geniuses here, but of course there's always a circumstance uh, of which something makes sense. Kristen, how do you begin to get your head around this? Is this a frequent thing that people should do or, or what do you think? I mean, it's probably going to come as no surprise to anybody that I think it's personality dependent, but I would be very hypocritical if I said someone shouldn't do this because, gentlemen, this absolutely is part of my strategy. I don't oh. max out. I don't max out my 401k, and I certainly invest in non-qualified accounts. Okay. Before we dig deeper onto that, uh, Dame, uh, how do you want to initially weigh in here? I'm just taking notes to make sure that I keep that in my file for a future review with Kristen Alanius. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, go yeah, ahead. I, I, I completely uh, agree that, uh, yes, it's situation dependent, but there are you know, any number of scenarios where it would make sense to potentially not contribute to the employer workplace plan, even to, uh, to the max at least, and contribute to a non-retirement account because it, there are so many things. Maybe you want to retire early and you ha need a bridge to get from your age to where you can access those funds uh, penalty and or tax-free. 
and you you just need some extra cash. You don't have the pension. You don't have anything else. So you decide you're going to set up your own little bridge to get there, and that's likely going to come in a non-qualified account. It feels like a blog post being waiting to be written, right? It's this the you know five circumstances in which this is true. Like I. I didn't think of the use cases either of you said. I thought of two other use cases. I thought of a pre-retiree who's got so much in non-qual already and they are not yet 59 and a half and they really need to uh, improve their non-qualified access to, to money. I think of that circumstance. I think about someone saving for a down payment, which is sort of what, what we talked about here a little bit. And then I also thought of the circumstance of which uh, that somehow the IRS max gets a person top heavy and they don't really want to do that. They don't want to fund that much of their retirement. So it's funny when we talked about this question in pre-production, I thought, well, yeah, I didn't really think through it, but there's a bazillion reasons why a person wouldn't do this. Yeah, if we had asked this question, you know, 10 years ago, the answer could have been uh, because somebody inherited a number of uh, IRA accounts or 401k accounts from a parent and they had the li their lifetime to take that money out in an RMD. That's not the case anymore. But uh, if um, maybe you uh, you inherit one from your spouse and the RMD rules are a little bit different than what they would be for a child or uh, other relative at that point. So there's a number of situations where you could potentially have enough in, in a, a taxable retirement account that you can start to chase either maybe the, the Roth 401k version if you want to at work or you know, get the match. I Believe me, I'm not advocating for not getting the match because that's free money. I think you absolutely need to do that. But then start to shift your focus into other areas, which very likely are going to include non-qualified accounts. Kristen, don't you think this is all determined based on whether a person has really good financial goals or not? Because it's sort of hard to say, oh, I'm not going to max it out. Why not? Well, no particular <laughs> reason. You need yeah. a reason. You actually need a reason. It needs to be part of a tactic. Yeah, 100%. And what I was kind of thinking through is like, is there a situation where I would argue against like a strategy that I personally am utilizing? And I would say, if you're someone who is maybe later in your career than I am, and you didn't begin your journey with qualified accounts as early as I did, right? The three of us, because we've launched our careers in this space, we knew the importance of investing in qualified accounts from the jump. If someone didn't, and let's say they get started a decade or even two decades behind when the three of us did, and they're like, well, I'm not sure that I really want to max out my qualified accounts, then I'm like, oh, maybe we should, maybe that is the place to start. It, I'm going through my own situation now in my head. And and for me, I max out uh, my qualified account from a, from a, tax sensitivity right. standpoint, right? Like for me, it just makes a lot of sense to do that. And I can figure out the non-qual part later, but I'm trying to bring my, my income down. I think that's the other aspect of this because to answer it the way you originally answered it, Kristen, is to say there's going to be a finite amount of money that you're willing slash able to set aside for the future, whether it's short or long term. Uh, and, and I think it is that is also saying you don't prioritize the tax consequences of doing so and respectfully right 
Yeah, 100%. And I would also say that I tend to be, there's personal preference there as well. I tend to be someone who doesn't get supremely hung up in the tax arguments of Roth versus traditional, non-qualified versus qualified, just from a tax perspective. And I recognize that's because my situation is different than maybe the two of yours. That situation is different from maybe someone listening to the show. So it depends on where your priority is as far as the tax side of it as well, I think. Well, damn, I, I don't feel too differently about this conversation as I do about HSA contributions, right? It's like it, you could also say, well, yeah, I'm doing that for some level of an emergency medical emergency fund mm -hmm. for the future and the tax advantage. But maybe I'm doing something more short term and practical that is not putting money in an HSA. I mean, it's just, it's a similar idea. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think maybe the uh, the takeaway from this conversation is going to end up being have a plan. Be in tune, whether that's your whether you're working with a professional financial advisor on creating uh, a short, mid, and long-term plan, or whether you're trying to DIY it, you need to be able to identify exactly what path you will try and take. Now, that path's going to change over the course of years. There's nothing we can do to change that. But have a plan and work towards it. Know how you're going to try and accomplish those goals. And sometimes it isn't the uh, the cookie cutter approach. A lot of times it's not going to be the cookie cutter approach because we are all unique individuals with unique circumstances. And we have to come at it a different way to make sure that we can accomplish what we want to. I feel like I have a hot take bubbling. Who wants oh, no. to catch it? Kristen, you haven't been here in a while. You're catching this one. Okay. <laughs> So you hear all of these commercials from investment advisors to say, okay. we don't give cookie cutter advice. You know, we don't, you know, your investments are personal, yeah, personalized yeah. investment portfolios. I think all of that is hot garbage. Yeah. Uh, but to Dame's point here, the strategy of how much to set aside into and what qualification status, that is wildly important. But the, like the idea of like, well, your portfolio is personal and custom. It's like, well, that's dumb. That even makes sense. Is that is that a hot take or is that actually real? I don't think it's a hot take. I think it's absolutely real. I think the three of us are on the same page about that. Dame, I'm just making sure that she's not agreeing for you, but you yeah, do agree. Yeah, now we're talking about asset location, tax location, things like that. But absolutely, this is a, a, a legit strategy to personalize your financial plan. Nothing drives me crazier than those commercials like, this is a custom portfolio. It's like, <laughs> you don't need a custom portfolio. Close to no one. 5% of people, maybe, maybe. And even then, th their custom portfolio causes so much more heartache than a non-custom one would. So let's do this. Let's Everyone calm down. We take a break. Coming back after the break, we uh, are going to talk about refinancing your mortgage. No, we're not. We're talking about paying more on your mortgage if it's a high interest rate. That's next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. I forgot. <laughs> no. Okay, guys, can I tell you a story? Please. I was in Lexington this week, Kentucky. <laughs> and there's two stories to be told. One of them I don't, I'm not going to tell on the air. Uh, and it's not that it's an inappropriate <laughs> story I don't want to share. It's just like it, it kind of I was able to procure several bottles of allocated bourbon. Like that's a story. Oh, I'm not no one oh. cares, but it was, I got home. Man cares. Yeah. I felt crossing state lines with that many bottles. <laughs> I felt like I was like committing some level of criminality. What those dumb boys go and do now. Oh man. Uh, well, Dukes of hazard yes. uh, reference there. Yes. Uh, anyway, so here's the story. Um, it's, it's sort of my favorite topic, and you're going to figure this out very quickly. I 
uh, oh, oh man, hold on. In the comments here, Todd is Aye. bringing up Tottenham. Todd from the top. Todd, this boat. is not right. Todd is bringing up in in the live chat right now that Tottenham, my my club, my Spurs, uh, have taken their lumps recently. They lost to West Ham uh, yesterday. This is a soccer reference for those of you just just playing along now. So I wake up Thursday morning early at my hotel. I'm at the city center in Lexington, downtown Lexington, and there's a Starbucks hop, skip, and jump away. And I need some Go coffee. figure. Go figure. Yeah. And I don't want a Keurig coffee that's in my room. I, it, it, too many stories. So I, <laughs> I go, and I'm barely awake, barely awake. And so I'm standing in line at Starbucks, and there's this nice young woman in front of me in full fatigues. Right, military fatigues. She was in like the ROTC or something, and like oh. she was there. Uh, I don't know. By the way, maybe you don't call them full fatigues. I don't know. I never I, heard that. Aim. <laughs> Go ahead. I, never fatigues. full. Never fatigues. Yes, but not full fatigues. I, you know, I, Chris was BDUs. Was that the the term that was British know. dermal okay, anyway. units? Anyway, yes. So she's wearing camo. Like I mean, she's not going deer hunting. She's in the military. <laughs> She's in front of me. She's got her boots laced up. And 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 so she's standing there and she's putting her order. And in my head, I'm saying to myself, as as any reasonable human would say, I'm going to buy this woman's call. I'm just going to say, hey, thanks for your service. I got this, right? I assume either of you have done this or thought about it. Or yeah, sure. people do yes. this. Done this before. I'm going to do it in this moment. And so as I go to raise my, <laughs> my hand to get the attention of the barista to say, I got it. Woman behind me in line says, I've got it. <laughs> this woman stole my Stolen valor. Stolen oh, yeah. valor. She stole my valor. <laughs> and so I was so upset. I was so upset. So I, I you know, I was like, okay, okay. And I was, and so that happened. The woman got back in line behind me, which is again, over overtly polite to then not put her order in. She's going to order twice. <laughs> So then I get up to the counter and the barista says to me, I put my order in just a blonde, whatever blonde rose. She goes, you know what? Thank you so much for your patience while that was happening. This one's on me. So she thanked me for my service. I stole valor back. <laughs> like I, I stole valor. And so I was like, what a way to start my day. And I immediately thought, man, it's my favorite topic. Stolen valor. <laughs> Have you ever been happier to not be wearing fashion camo? When it's that was funny happening? you say that. <laughs> so, you were not. No, I'm not, but I, I, I am today. So I, if you can see today, I do yeah. have some fashion camo on. But yes, I was very glad that I had no fashion camo on. Yeah. Which, you know, I have to say at this point, I've got at least three different pieces of fashion camo. I have some sneakers. I have a vest and I have these pants all together. You can't even see me. She couldn't even give me a free coffee because she'd be like, why is there foliage in the store? Yeah. <sighs> oh, my. So many bottles of bourbon. I'm happy for you. I don't know. The thing was, I was hitting up my bourbon friends, which is a weird, dumb. I, I hate myself. And I was like procuring bottles. I was catching Venmos left and right. I, I'm, I'm like a black market bourbon dealer at this point. Uh, Pretty well. Uh, did you know that I'm going to be in the office on Tuesday? Uh, no, I thought I thought I heard Kristen's going to be in the office on Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to be there too. 
Jeez. Um, well, I'll just I'll let you look at pictures of the bottle stain. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the show. We got to keep it moving, Jeremiah. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. You know, Kristen Dame. With interest rates as high as they are, and by interest rates, I mean all interest rates, specifically mortgage rates, uh, should a person who's purchased a home in the last 12 months at at higher interest rates, if they have extra money laying around, should they put that towards that high interest mortgage? And this is a point of distinction because here's what's, oh, I'm going to have to share some things about my financial life. Dame. <laughs> I have a two and a half percent mortgage, which everyone knows because I talk about it a lot. Yeah. But I pay at least $500 more a month on that mm-hmm. mortgage. Mm-hmm. As, But it's weird because I'm doing it as a part of a plan from a college funding cash flow right. standpoint. So it is part of my financial strategy, despite the fact that I'm getting rid of an amazing asset, which is a two and a half percent mortgage. In this circumstance, we're saying the person probably has a seven percent mortgage or something of the ilk. And and should they get rid of it faster? So uh, we will we will begin there, and I will I will hang up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> I like like everything in finance. The, unfortunately, the answer is it depends. I, I if we can, should we narrow the focus down to, so it's a little bit uh, more narrow on what the options actually are, or maybe the circumstances are. Kristen, do you think that's fair? I think that's fair. Okay. Uh, so let's say the person's in their early 30s. In this case, uh, they are uh, doing okay with retirement savings, uh, and they have uh, one kid with one on the way. <laughs> this is oddly specific. Very specific. Uh, uh, I, they I wear yellow trying... shoes on a regular basis. They know. love ramen noodles. <laughs> the camo, fashion camo is their jam. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure this out so we can have a, a reasonable conversation around it because we can we can play what ifs with scenarios like this forever. Um, in this particular case, I think it really depends on uh, what are their goals and what are their plans. Are they plan? How much are they planning on saving for uh, education? Uh, how how much uh, do they have an emergency fund? Do they have any upcoming needs for? Uh, the house, are there going to be re- remodels or repairs, anything like that? I I think we have to step back and say, okay, let's take a bigger picture look at this. Kristen, do you d- agree or disagree? I don't disagree. I think for me, the hang up is when we just say that like there's a flat sum of money and you're like, oh, well, I'll just allocate it to this. Okay, but what does that mean with respect to the mortgage? Does that turn your 30-year loan into a 25-year loan? Does that turn your 30-year loan into a 20-year loan? I would prefer for us to take it from the perspective of we have a goal for payoff. We want to turn our 30 into a 20 or our 30 into a 25. And that's going to take X dollars of the $500 in free cash flow we have available versus just saying, Hey, I have 500 and I'm just going to toss it at my mortgage because before you know it, as your escrow increases, you don't really know what that means for the mortgage anyway. I would just prefer to go at it from that perspective. Yeah. Cause going from a 30 to a 27 or something like that by accident, just because you're throwing money at something doesn't feel that appealing. It doesn't seem that practical. However, to your point, if it is plan driven, it is timing driven. I like it because that's frankly what I am doing. It is time driven. Um, I also got to think with Dame's 
oddly specific example of whatever <laughs> that person is. Change, change whatever you want. I don't care. I was just trying to have a conversation. No, I, it's hard not to argue that that person should not just put money in savings. Like I understand the nature of a 7% interest rate versus getting you know 5% in a Betterment account. But if they don't have a proper emergency fund with one kid and one kid on the way, man, that's going to haunt you for the first 14 years or the next 14 years of your life. Okay. So maybe the conversation becomes uh, invest it or pay off the mortgage right now. Invest it or pay off the mortgage. Kristen, do you want to add any more odd specifics to this? (laughs) No, No. no, I don't think so. But so, okay. So pause though, because P, I think you and I are a little bit biased because we both said like, we prefer it to be this way because I know we all know because you've talked about it, about like the goal with your mortgage, right? There's a specific goal that you want to be mortgage free. There's this date you want to be mortgage free by. For me, I want to, I, my 30 year, as far as I'm concerned is a 20 year, Right. And you're like, I don't really see the appeal to just throwing some extra money at the mortgage. But part of this conversation actually arose because friend of the show, Caitlin, she just like tosses money at her mortgage when she has it available. And she finds that like supremely appealing. She looks at the amortization schedule, Pete, that she got when she first took out her mortgage. And she'll be like, look, I'm paid until July of 2026. Like she finds that to be really motivating. So I think it's about also to be fair, what motivates us as people when it comes to our personal finances. Dane, what jumps out to me, and I know you have comments on this, thoughts on this too, but Dane, what jumps out to me here, and I'm curious if you share this, I wonder if this person pays their mortgage in person. Oh my. <laughs> well, no I, one does that. <laughs> no, I, I, I do that. I'm going to do it next Friday. Do you, how many suckers do you take when you I do don't, that? I do it through the drive through. They give you suckers at the drive through Pete. No, I'm the sucker. I don't want, <laughs> I don't yeah. want your suck yeah. candy. You know, have you thought about this? Mm-hmm. They had to choose a name for suckers at some point. Like someone's like, oh, okay, what do we call this? Oh, we suck on them. And they, we call them suckers. Think of the names they rejected. <laughs> like it was like, uh, hey, I want some suck candy. Like no one, you know, it's like it's a rejected candy title. Anyone? I mean, it could be, no. I mean, there's lollipops. I mean, you could go by the brand no. name. At least it's common in uh, northern Indiana. Uh, Dum Dums, which are actually made in western Ohio. I would, maybe they've made their way down to. Uh, no, no. Indianapolis area, but yeah, I mean, so you don't have to call them suckers just for some reason. That's what we all refer to them as. So, Dame, don't you, I mean, look for this example, I have to think there's a better use of $500 than throwing, that's not to say throwing at your mortgage is a bad use. It's great. You're, you're shifting your net worth. Beautiful. I love it, Mm -hmm. but there's gotta be a better use or at least a more strategic use. Man, I, I, I agree. I mean, don't get me wrong. The fact that you are doing something wise with your money, uh, getting rid of a debt, moving your net worth forward, all counts on the power percentage, right? Uh, I think you've got time. And if we're thinking long term, I think there's there's got to be something a little bit more strategic that could be done with it. Not that, uh, not that getting rid of your mortgage is a bad thing, but maybe there's a better answer. Can I ask a follow-up question, Christy? Of course. Uh, uh, so it's our, it's sporadic. It's like a random. It's not like a set amount. Are you talking about Caitlin? Wh- whatever the person that's like paying five hundred <laughs> more could be Stephanie uh, with an F. Uh, yeah. Like because you can spell it a few different ways uh, if you wanted to. When you name your child, you put it on the birth certificate. Anyway, 
uh-huh. like is the is it five hundred a month or is it like I got an extra five hundred? I'm going to throw it at it. Like what's the what's the what's the use case here? Well, I think that e- both yield kind of interesting like thoughts for me because if you have an extra five hundred dollars a month and that is consistent, to me there should be a purpose for it and it should be the same every month. If there is five hundred dollars in discretionary income in your budget, you if if it's the mortgage, if it's an investment account, hundred percent. If it's randomly $500, then you should leverage the idea of the next dollar. And you should know in advance when you have those discretionary dollars, where to put your next dollar. I mean, I will say personally, again, because people love to hear about my situation. <laughs> uh, the last uh, last few pay periods, just by the nature of how payroll works, huh. I have a little bit more cash flow. I just have a, a just a little bit more cash flow. And I have been very specific with its use buy an allocated bourbon. No, by, by, by improving a savings account, like specifically a target I'm trying Mm -hmm. to hit. So I guess it's no different than that, Kristen. It sounds very similar to me. The next dollar. But you've been very conscious about that too. It's not something that you're passively doing. You're being very strategic and active about taking advantage of those, those little wins, those little variations in your income. Yeah, absolutely. Before we go to the break here, I have to say, there's nothing better if you've never experienced it than getting addicted to watching your savings account balance go up. Like, like logging in a lot to see it go up so much so that you'll put it, you'll make a transfer just to watch it go. Up. <laughs> All right, coming up after the break, do young people struggle to save and invest? We'll find out next on the Pete the Planner show. I'm Pete the Planner. I do that. that. Like, that's. I, I, I go in and I'll, I'll put like 25, I'll, I'll have like, I'll, I'll get it to round amounts. You know, it's like whatever, 77. I'm like, here goes 23 bucks. My pajama, it goes in. Feel great. That's so relatable. Cause I'm about to hit a milestone that I've been waiting on in one of my accounts. And every day I log in and I'm like getting closer. Just transfer money, Kristen. I don't know. I'm a financial expert. Just transfer it. <laughs> no, 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 no. We have goals. There's strategy. It'll get there. Now there's some rules, Dame, next year about Venmo. Like you got to report all your Venmo. So I, I was sneaking in some Venmo transactions this week buying bourbon for people down in Kentucky. I feel like, am I going to get flagged by the Venmo? I think, they, I think they actually just announced that they're going to push that off for another year. <laughs> Shocking. Jeez. I'll say this. I, I plopped those bottles down in front of Chad yesterday when I got back to the office and I've never seen a happier man. I can imagine. He was so excited. Lots of rye. No, I'm the rye guy. He's the bourbon. But I'll say this. I feel like his wife might be very angry at me at this point. <laughs> because I really, <laughs> I was, it was bad peer pressure. Yeah, I can turn this into evil. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. My stomach's growling. You guys want to hear it? I'm like, no. Oh, okay. Never mind. Um, let's keep it moving. Anybody, any, uh, keep it moving. You've got a hard out, Pete. Okay. Three, <laughs> two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. You know, there's this idea that it is harder for young, younger people, younger than me, which is not hard, yeah. uh, young people, young generations to save and budget money. So is this a perception? Is this a reality? Kristen apparently has a big spicy hot take on this as to why <laughs> it is harder for the younger generations with saving budget money. As a point of reference, Chris. <laughs> nah. uh, yeah. Are you a younger? 
than the two of you? Yes. Well, no, I mean, no, but I mean, if, as we're looking, it's like uh, the younger generations. Like, where, where oh. are you going? I mean, yeah, you're ye. Yeah. Younger. I, I would say, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm a young millennial, so we're often the ones that people blame. Blame? What's the bl- who's blaming anyone? I mean, when, this is like when you see headlines, when you see headlines about millennials, this millennials, that it's me. That that was a thing for like millennials for a long millennials. time. It was like pre-COVID, everything was millennials' fault. Yes, it was great. What <laughs> do we call the youngs now? Like, were they Gen Z? Gen Z. Yeah, and, and are they getting blamed for stuff too? Um, I think the millennials blame Gen Z for stuff. I think that's just the nature of how this goes. It all rolls downhill, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> the older I get, the more the, the less likely I should say. I, I feel like I'm blaming anyone for anything. I'm just like trying to deal with my own stuff. But I do remember being in my 30s, just wanting to blame all the 20s. <laughs> there See? was a a nice little trend on TikTok for a while about why you shouldn't mess with Gen X people uh, because of <laughs> how they were raised uh, that's right. and, and how it uh, com- has completely changed since that generation. Um, all right. So Kristen, what's your spicy hot take about the youngs? Come on. Don't set me up to fail like that. I don't have a super, I don't have a spicy (laughs) hot take. I just think that by the nature of the way that we structure or ideally we would structure a financial life, I think, I don't want to speak for the two of you, but I want to kind of establish a baseline, which is that our goal is to improve our financial stability and our financial confidence over the course of our financial lives. There might be some ebbs and flows, but like it should be, we're climbing, right? Are, you're saying our, are you, are you talking about hours and the, uh, the three-headed monster here? Or are you talking about hours, you're representing the youngs? What is our? No, as in as individual people. Yeah. Like our goal for people is as they age to have more financial stability and more financial confidence and for that to continue to climb and climb. Yes? Yes, for sure. Okay, so I would also venture to, or I would also say that we live in a society that more than ever, you can pay for convenience and you can pay for things that make your daily life easier. It's more common than ever to have someone to come in and maybe like clean your home, DoorDash. Like, I mean, you, you name it, but the conveniences of life are more than they've ever been. Yes. Yes. For sure. Okay. So my thought is that something that may feel like a disconnect generationally is that if the two of you think about your financial stability and confidence 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I won't call out your ages. It would have been, if we think about financial stability and confidence, it would have been more difficult for you to pay for the conveniences of the world that we are living in that do make your lives easier just because you hadn't yet built that stability and confidence. Is that fair? That was less faux show. I I mean, this is like... uh, you didn't have robots to pay back then. No, like, no, no. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying that me naturally living, oh my, Sorry. me being younger than the two of you, it is just expected that my stability and confidence is less than because I've just not had as many years to flex that muscle, to work on that. It takes time. We talk about that on this show all the time, how important it is to invest early, invest aggressively, start with good financial habits. And so if we're thinking about like 
just say like me versus the two of you, it would just be expected that there wouldn't be as much available for me when it comes to like, again, we'll talk about the convenience of life. And I think those things are what gets people in a lot of trouble when it comes to budgeting and saving. So are we saying that the youngs are just going to be a bunch of financial late bloomers? I don't know what the result of that is. I'm just saying that like, why is it harder to save money? And I think that it's not super easy to have empathy for that if you're someone who is more stable and more confident when it comes to your personal finances than someone who is just naturally less so. Probably not by any fault of their own. They're just younger. Well, I, a couple thoughts. Number one, I, I I don't feel accusatory towards the youngs about this. Like I don't, I'm not weighing in as, they don't save money. I don't feel one way or the other about that. So uh, I would also, I'm trying to understand what you're saying here. Are you saying that the youngs employ convenience more frequently than the olds? Yes. And I think that the youngs by nature are less likely to be able to objectively afford to do that. Yeah, I agree with that. Dame? Pete, do you remember going over to grandpa and grandma's house when oh. you were like five, six years old, mm -hmm. there was probably one car in the driveway. There was silver, probably one silver station wagon, one T <laughs> one TV console TV in the house. I'm guessing. Yeah. It was in the, the four seasons room console record stereo record player slash stereo, perhaps Uh radio to, to listen to uh, uh Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Okay. Yeah. That'll work. Uh, uh, probably a, a very uh, maybe a two bedroom house, one bedroom, one bath, two bedroom, one and a half bath. Uh, it, it was small. There was eight, yeah. there was eight kids there, but yeah, there was not a lot of bedrooms. M living a middle class life. Yeah, yeah. I think about how much that has changed, how much we have complicated things, and what is considered standard operating procedure for us at our point in life. And I've, I've said frequently that one of the biggest challenges uh, people graduating from college have is not trying to step right into the lifestyle that their parents, that they grew up with, with their parents, because they cannot afford it. And they, they don't know any other way because that's all they've known. So they can't go back and just live in a two bedroom, one bath house, uh, with very limited technology or whatever it is, because we've just decided that all of this is standard operating procedure and it has to be part of our life. And it, it is expensive and it is going to be very, very hard to be able to try and cordon off cash out of your income. When you've got student loans, you've got a million different payments and tons of subscriptions. The deck is stacked against you socially. Now, I'm not saying you can't do this, but socially, the expectations are you're going to have all of these things, mm -hmm. and it is nearly impossible to pull it off. You have to stand against the crowd to be able to get ahead right now. So, old guy, take alert, <laughs> by the way. So it's, <laughs> oh, that's the alert siren. <laughs> An old, tired siren. Yes. I, <laughs> I, I feel... As though the downfall to this direction started with the show MTV Cribs. Mm -hmm. oh because the second influential people or popular or appealing people showed you what they have and what they're doing, then that led to this social media wanting, right? It, it led to influencers uh, saying, look what I have and you can have it too. And, and I think that sort of, sent consumerism off kilter 
I say that observationally, not judgmentally. Like I'm, what I'm not saying is that's dumb. I'm, I'm not saying that. I don't, again, I don't really care. I don't feel that way, but I am saying that observationally, I do believe that what is what has happened. And I see it with my, my own young teens of the things they want and how they are influenced by the media they consume. Yeah. I think both things can be true. I think it can be harder than it's ever been to save money because of the type of world we live in, but we can also be better stewards of our own dollar. So I think leaning into being a little bit more aware is something that we collectively need to do a better job of. I think I'm just going to be Amish. Can you just choose to be Amish? That's a fair question. Can you join? That's a great question. I know there's been like shows where like I think Coolio at one point went and lived an Amish yeah. lifestyle or something. May he rest in peace. Yes. I don't know if that's something you choose. Anyway, let's do this. Let's everyone calm down. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Biggest waste of money of the week. Here's what we're going to find out. Did Kristen get bit by some spider that caused her illness, but as a side effect of that illness, illness, she's now a good guesser at Blom? I don't know. I doubt it. We'll find out. That's next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. What if you're like good at this now? Could be. It would be a documentary in the works. If that if that is actually what happens now. I appreciated Stacy being a bad guesser too. That made me happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was a terrible guesser too. Yeah, she was. Love Stacy. Sorry, Stacy. You know, the TV thing was interesting, Dame. You're going to one TV and all that. I think I don't I don't disagree with you, but I think a different perspective there is a couple things. Number one, as a 46-year-old with a couple of, I got a bazillion TVs in my house, right? Mm-hmm. I would argue that a young, like one of the youngs that works with us, they probably have one, if no TVs. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, sample you think size Ellie has there. a you think sample Ellie has size there. I mean, no, I, but I'm just saying, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, all the youngs that we work with that are listening to the show right now as part of your job requirements. <laughs> no, I mean, if you're having Slack, hit us in Slack. How many TVs do you have in your house, the youngs? What? Kristen's got two. But I have a basement. Like, I have an entertainment area in my basement. Oh. So that's why. What if she has, some, a, she has a bigger TV than I do? Like that is think, true. I think if someone in, in Slack, one of our youngs, like hits us up and they're like, oh, I've got one. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You're not young enough. I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> it turns into an HR event really I quick. know. It always does. It always does. It's There's no irony lost in the fact that uh, I'm in front of HR departments for a living now. Uh, <laughs> Caitlin coming you, over the top with four. Did, did you, you live in a bar? Did, did you tell them what channel to put that into? Or uh, they just, no, I didn't. Uh, if you're watching, uh, random Slack channel, random Slack channel. Uh, of course, it just could mean that they're working, no and one's ignoring watching. us. Yeah, which is Jameson. Jameson, what the heck's Attaboy. going on down in Texas? Nine TVs. I'm trying to think what we have. <laughs> Two. <laughs> Sounded very judgmental until he realized he had to count four and, and one of them is in like the workout area. And so like we, we use three. Oh, oh, they're coming in. Oh, and they're also asking if they count as young. <laughs> this is a backfire. That's all right. If you, if you're listening, go ahead and put it in there. Uh, three is the popular answer right now. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. We gotta, we gotta do some things. 
Uh, Plum, I got to get ready for that. And then I got to go. Sorry, Jeremiah. Uh, this week's biggest waste of money with the new beginnings. Easy. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so you haven't started. I was like, oh, we have not started the segment. I, I know. I was, it was a plant joke. It was a plant joke. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Thing. New beginnings. Sorry, I forgot. New beginnings. Uh, that was funny. I know, except I had to explain the jokes. And I, oh, my stand up thing is ha- it's happening. It's December 22nd. Mm-hmm. The bill continues to, to grow. Uh, Joey Molinaro, um, sort of uh, social media impressionist, mm-hmm. does a lot of sports impressions, uh, has a lot of notoriety there, is on the bill. Some other folks. So a ticket's still available at Victory Field. The show starts at 8 p.m., December 22nd. I'm hosting. So that means I'm going to have some bits. I was trying out some of my bits, oh comedy my. bits, if you will, with Mrs. Planner. Oh, um, it doesn't seem like a great idea. Yeah, was a, you'd think I would have learned over the last 20-some <laughs> years. She At one point, she was like, so what part of it of what you just said is is the joke? That was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me have a workshop this with somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> Is Danny the headliner? Is is he the official? I don't headliner? know. I haven't talked to him in a while, so I gotta I gotta call him this weekend. He's on LA time, so he's always like calling me. He's like, <laughs> like the weird times, and I'm like, I'm I'm being a father right now, or I'm working at my job. All right, we gotta get going. Three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week, right here on the Pete the Planner show, is. The London sock company, the goat set, paying homage. Time out. Can I get time out? Granted, granted. Sorry. <laughs> my, my, fault. my fault. Granted. Do you go homage? You don't go homage, right? Mm-hmm. How about homage? Oh. Such fancy. Man. Paying homage to boxing legend Muhammad Ali. The London Sock Company, The Goat, will give you the confidence to knock out the workday. The limited edition set includes three pairs of socks featuring the greatest iconic silhouette stitched in gold. Finely knitted and hand-finished, the brand's signature stretch-fit cotton blend will have your feet floating like a butterfly while their sharp appearance keeps your style a stinging like a bee. I actually appreciate the copy. Uh, okay, so for those, we're talking dress socks. There's three pairs of dress socks. They've got like the Muhammad Ali arms raised uh, sort of silhouette thing. And I'm thinking to myself, A, I hope this is like officially licensed. I hope the, the estate of Muhammad <laughs> Ali is yeah. getting part of this. Um, but there are three pairs of dress socks that have Muhammad Ali stitched on the top of the dress sock. So Kristen, how much do you think this costs? Anything more than $10 is too much for these, in my opinion, but I'm guessing, assuming they're licensed, that they are $65. Okay. Uh, Dame, how do you want to, you can, you know, you can say a different number. You can just take her number. What are you going to do? I'm really conflicted on multiple fronts now because I was going to say $70, and that's really close to what Kristen said, which means if we're both wrong wildly, it means I'm a horrible guesser this week. Uh, so I will, I'll, I'll go ahead and do the standard rule, uh, basically at least double whatever Kristen says, and I'll say $130. <laughs> 
What if I told you that these cost $72? (laughs) You blew it. You absolutely blew it. You talked yourself right out of that one, man. That would have been the greatest snake job of all time. I was right on the money. And I... I'm so oh disappointed in you. Your whole family is Plus disappointed it was, in you. It was Price is Right rules. You should have just said $66. Kristen, I, there's something you and I were going to have to talk about off the air anyway, so we might as well talk about it now. Oh, okay. <laughs> when Dane was telling his story during the cold open, and he yeah. referred to Krav Maga as just Krav. Yes. Did that throw you for a second? It did for just a brief moment, because I'm <laughs> not a part of such an exclusive club. And I was like, wait, what? Sorry. And then I realized who was talking, and yeah, we're good. Is Krav an acceptable shortening of Krav Maga? Uh, is in our group. I, I won't speak for the rest of uh, the the groups that meet, but it is in our group. How have your Krav Maga skills gotten? I mean, could you? Re- I we oh we are on the radio right now. I yeah. Forgot. So yeah. let me just ask this quick question. I mean, we'll go on to <laughs> financial things. Like, are you are you better able to just bludgeon a person now? Like, where where are you at in your journey? Uh, they're a little rusty. I'm basically on a treadmill at this point with that, but I, I need to uh, start picking it back up and and learning new ways to incapacitate people. I thought you were going to say, well, mess around and find out. I thought that's what you were going to say. <laughs> I mean, I am going to be in office next week. We can we can give it a run if you want. Dame, what's in the news this week? CVS is overhauling how it prices prescription drugs. In an announcement, the company promised that its new model would be more transparent than the current setup, which prices drugs based on a complex reimbursement formula that can cost uh, make the cost of prescriptions confusing for consumers. Go figure. The new model, called CVS Cost Vantage, so catchy, is based on a simple equation. Drugs will cost what CVS pays for them, plus a limited markup and a flat fee to cover the services of fulfilling the prescriptions. That's similar to a plan proposed by billionaire Mark Cuban, founder of Cost Plus Drugs, to bring accountability to drug pricing in the U.S. No word on when the new pricing will take effect. Uh, Kristen, do you know what CVS stands for? I don't know what CVS stands for. Dame? Convenience value and something. I Am I close? Uh, kind of. Consumer value store. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite drug store? Rite Aid. Because of financially <laughs> how well you've done with it? Correct, yeah. Uh, how about like <laughs> the in-store experience? Oh. Walgreens. Dame? Walgreens. CVS. I don't like Walgreens. I mean, oh, wait. We love Walgreens here. So if <laughs> considering financial wellness solutions, I don't <laughs> Listen, what else is in the news? You want a tax story? Yeah. No. Of course you want a tax story. In America, two things are certain. Taxes and people going to court to pay less of them. <laughs> the Supreme Court heard arguments this week in Moore versus U.S., one of the most important tax cases in recent history. And Pete, you know we keep track of all the important tax cases in U.S. history here. The lawsuit, which could cost the U.S. trillions of dollars in revenue, would invalidate big swaths of the current tax system and doom the possibility of a billionaire tax and it all hinges on a couple suing the U.S. over fourteen thousand seven hundred and twenty-nine dollars in twenty eighteen. Oh due to changes to the tax law implemented that year, Charles and Kathleen Moore paid nearly fifteen thousand as a one-time repatriation tax on profits held overseas. And now the Moores are suing the federal government, claiming they didn't receive any profit from their investment, and therefore 
can't be taxed. Two lower courts have ruled against them, however. Now the Supreme Court will decide the fate of the U.S. tax code as we know it based on what it exactly counts as income, specifically whether or not income has to be realized to be taxed under the 16th Amendment. While the Moors, I'm almost finished, hold on. While the Moors contend that they ta- that, uh, they paid, the tax they paid was unconstitutional, a lot of longstanding basic uh, business tax rules would get swept away if they triumph. So many, in fact, that the former Republican Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, who helped write the 2017 tax law being challenged, said that if the Moors win, it would effectively eliminate one third of the tax code. Experts worry beyond upending the system and costing the U.S. tax dollars. A decision in favor of the Moors would also open the government to more litigation and cost them uh, the U.S. up to $340 billion in tax revenue over the next decade. Over in the West Wing, President Biden favors a so-called billionaire's minimum tax to help lessen the federal deficit. But if SCOTUS rules for the Moors, any proposed tax on unrealized capital gains, which are investments that make billionaires billionaires, would be impossible. Looking ahead, the court will deliver the decision this summer, you know, right as the presidential election is heating up. There could be major changes in U.S. tax code coming very soon. Wow. My only thought there is, I saw the billionaire tax proposal thing last mm-hmm. week, earlier this week. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I'm, I, I, I don't really care about that. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not a billionaire or even close, uh, but I also seem, it just seems a little weird if like, there's just like a billionaire tax. Like that just seems strange to me, but I, I don't feel adamant about that. I just, it's just, a, it's a simple feeling. Could I, I say something? No. That, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Please do. Could we just, maybe this is too simplistic and maybe the bar is just too high, but could we just like catch up on the backlog of tax returns? Could we just like start there or? Seems just, unlikely. I mean, we did hire, they did hire 80,000 uh, new employees in the IRS. Exactly. And supposedly that was one of the big reasons was to get caught up. But I thought that was struck down and the, like the budget negotiations. No, I think they got, I think they got their hires. I, think. I, I, I disagree. I mean, look, I'm usually wrong. I think we all know this, but I think that got cut. Lovely. Uh, Mrs. Advice, if you are listening, go ahead and send me uh, whether or not that made it through uh, because she would be the definitive resource on this answer. Sometimes when I feel bad about myself, uh, like what I am and what I've become, which is often, I think about the fact that Mrs. Advice, your wife, listens to the show and it makes me feel better about myself. (laughs) I find her to be a really substantive person and the idea that she listens whether it's to load up on ammunition to mock you later or she finds entertainment or value in the show, it makes me feel good. Well, then I won't tell you that she doesn't listen very often. Exactly. That's what I, I mean, yeah. That's why I feel <laughs> the way I feel. All right. Very good. Enough of this. Um, everyone, good luck with your lives. Oh, wait, that's it. Wait, that's, that's a little macabre. That's very final. Um, thanks for listening. Seeing good vibes. Good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is Pete the Planner Show. I am known to tell people good luck with your lives when I just simply say goodbye to them in real life. And and it is jarring at first because it makes it seem as though it is a final saying, but it could be, that's the point. Hey, good luck with everything. You know, it's practical. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You never know what that last, that yeah. last. Okay. Here's the thing. Be. I'm going to randomly die someday. It'll be great. Right. So I'll be dead. Randomly. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how I'll be dead. Okay. So I'll be dead. Mrs. Someone Planner be- might. 
might what? <laughs> know how you're going to die. <laughs> sure. It's all in the plan. So I'll be dead. And someone will say, oh, my God. What do you remember the last thing he said to you? <laughs> good luck and, with your and like everyone in my life will be like, Yeah, he said good luck with your life. Like I, and it's like, what a legacy. <laughs> Is that gonna be on your tombstone? Good luck with your life. Good luck with your life. Uh, it's, it's kind of true. Do you ever think about like what never mind? I gotta go. Um Kristen, I'm glad you're not dead. Thank you, me too. Dame, I feel that way about you too, but it didn't feel like there was any <laughs> imminent death threats to you in the last couple of weeks. I understand. So I'm glad you're not dead. Everyone else, good luck with your lives and stay getting money.